Hey, people, it's Damon D. Welcome to the Under Review Show. This is our Fat Lip Radio edition of the Under Review Show. We haven't done it yet, and let me bring it to you here. So we've been hanging out during isolation and quarantine for the past four months, bringing you just everything. I've been in the trenches, hanging out, digging up every piece of useless sporting thing that we can bet on. I've been creating ones and just making stuff up. But sports, I feel, are like officially back this weekend because we know all the major sports are coming in. They're all in training camp. They're all they're isolated little crews. And then we have an absolute whopper of a UFC. UFC has been going on, but we've talked about it. It's so it totally felt like they were just they were trying to Bubba Gump shrimp it out there and just put whatever out to the people. Fight Island is here. Three title fights, UFC 251. I think this weekend, guys, is where it starts, where sports is, is, is coming back. And we can, we can say, we'll pin the day to say that it started returning now. Now, because of that, we're doing a special edition. We're doing the Fat Lip Radio edition of the Under Review Show. Um, of course, brought to you by the good people of betonline.ag. So everything we talk about here, all these odds and lines, you go find it at BetOnline. They'll take care of uh, your odds, and if you want to sign up, use the promo code REVIEW, and you'll get yourself a fancy little bonus in your account. So today, though, we are uh, we were joined by by a good friend of the show, a man who helps us out, talking about wicked MMA stuff, and a uh, phenomenal mixed martial arts mind in the world, um, Sandu MMA. You can find him on Instagram, you can find him on Twitter, find him anywhere. Sandu MMA hanging out with us probably forever UFC first in the foreseeable future because we're just so excited to have him here. He's going to hang out today and we're going to rip through UFC 251 people. We're going to talk about the biggest card maybe that we've seen in a year or two. Sandu, thanks for doing this, man. Welcome to the show. Hell yeah. I love the introduction. I'm pleased to be here. I'm pumped. I'm amped. I'm excited about this card. And like you said, it's it's arguably one of the biggest cars that the UFC have ever put on, and it's just gone up a few more levels because the BMF himself, Jorge Mazadal, has saved the main event. He stepped up on short notice, on six days' notice, Unreal. to fight Kamaru Usman. And right now, the, not just the MMA world and the UFC world, but the sports world, the mainstream world, casual fans, folks that perhaps don't typically watch fights on a weekend, everyone is talking about this event and this fight in particular. And yeah, it's going to be a big one this weekend. Yeah, man. I, I think we've all been starved for something big to talk about, right? Yeah. We've all just like have been waiting for something to happen with every any sport anywhere. There's been a couple of cool trades and stuff in sports here and there, but mostly it's been like, how the hell are they going to pull this off and give us sports? But uh, you know Dana White, in his uh, infinite wisdom, just fought tooth and nail and got Fight Island done. And when I say Bubba Gump, they, they Bubba Gumped it. They, they wanted to be the only ship in the harbor catching shrimp. You know what I mean? And 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 now and they've done it. Um, so it, it's the only thing sporting basically on people's radar and has been for a short period of time. And now he's 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 managed to keep Fight Island a thing happening. That people talk about it and laugh about it a little bit, but it's a cool concept. This managed to stay in the narrative just long enough that now that it's here, people are absolutely jacked. So, um, 
we got to get into this, man. We got to start talking about like, for starters, that main card, every name, every, every name, maybe except for two are actual, like probable headliners, maybe of not a pay-per-view, but most definitely headliners on a, on a fight night for sure. When's the last time, I mean, out of a main card, we saw eight of the 10 fighters be marquee players. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the kind of stuff that the UFC typically does during International Fight Week. So International Fight Week is typically in Las Vegas, and it's normally got at least two title fights. And what we've got here is they've got this situation with the pandemic, and they've literally had to take this big, spectacular event all the way over to Abu Dhabi. And with their relation with the Abu Dhabi government, you know the Arabs... They want the best. They want the biggest names. They want the biggest <laughs> title fights that the UFC can bring to Yaz Island, Abu Dhabi, and the UFC has delivered and then some. And you're absolutely right. If you think about the names, Kamara Usman, he's headlined pay-per-view. Roy Masvidal, headlined pay-per-view. So has Max Holloway. Alexander Volkanovski just became the champ recently. Jose Aldo. I mean, this is a guy. This guy's a legend. He's headlined pay-per-views in the past himself. Peter Yan, a guy that's probably on the up-and-coming list of people and fighters that are all thinking about this guy being the future of the bantamweight division rose namayunis former champion jessica andrade former champion paige van zandt even though she hasn't been a champion in the ufc she's arguably one of the biggest names in mma period just because of her social media following and her stint on dancing with the stars so absolutely when you look at that main card for ufc 251 it's got marquee names left right and center yeah, it's it's actually crazy to think about uh, what we're faced with. I mean, it used to be that it was only reserved for like Super Bowl weekend when they'd had the, like the. You always knew that this one UFC would come out a year that was always going to be insane, um, and they switched it up and they they put it here, which is uh, I need it, I need it, Sandu, I really need this. I think we all need it. <laughs> so well, let's get into it. Let's just talk a bit about. Um, um, the Paige Van Zandt fight. Why, why don't we start there? Um, which will, will open the main card, as far as I know. And uh, and once again, Paige Van Zandt, um, super awesome um, person, super awesome uh, personality, super awesome celebrity. Would I say she's a super awesome fighter? Well, the odds are telling me you wouldn't, because she's currently sitting at... Uh, like a painfully, painfully low. <laughs> it might be painful in more ways than one. Um, um, plus six seventy-five underdog. Underdog. Uh, Ribis is uh, is at minus one thousand right now. Uh, she's just a draw to get this show started, isn't she? To be perfectly honest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is one of those situations where, for those that are unfamiliar, this is Paige Van Zandt's last fight on her current UFC contract. And she's been very open in interviews talking about the fact that she wants to explore free agency. And her husband, Austin Vanderfort, who's also an MMA fighter, he's signed with Bellator MMA, a competitor to the UFC. So all indications seem to point towards the idea that Paige Van Zandt will have her last fight in the UFC. And then when she explores free agency, she'll ultimately, most likely, probably sign with Bellator. So kind of as she's on her way out, what the UFC matchmakers have kindly done is given her an absolute beast of an opponent 
in Amanda Rebaz. This Brazilian fighter is 9-1, and she's on a four-fight winning streak right now. And a lot of folks seem to think that she could be the future, perhaps not just of the flyweight division, but maybe even the strawweight division as well. This fight will be contested at flyweight. And yeah, I'm, I'm picking Amanda Rebaz to, to win here. Um, she's not the, a household name just yet, but I think... Another reason why they've matched her up with Paige Van Zandt on this particular card is if if she demolishes Paige Van Zandt on a, on a fight card and an event where it's going to have a lot of eyeballs, and all of a sudden, come Monday morning, come you know, and, and everyone's having that kind of water cooler conversation, I think a lot of more people are going to know who the hell Amanda Rebass is. Totally. I mean, you, you just see the it's it's the tactical nature of of Dana White and the, and kind of the fight game. A, he knows she's taken off, right? So he, he doesn't want uh, his most popular fighter or, 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 or best fighters going anywhere else. You know that he just wants to see her get clobbered because she's going to go off to Bellator or whatever, and he's going to be like, what are you talking about? She got absolutely demolished in the UFC. She couldn't hack. You know what I mean? He's setting up the narrative for when she draws at Bellator to just say, oh, she was garbage anyway. Like, we didn't even – she couldn't cut it. With the best of the, you know, in the UFC, and that's totally what he's doing uh, right now. And then, uh, and then, and at the same time, trying to double down and just saying, most popular woman fighter, probably. Um, let's get our next budding superstar out there and get her some face time, at least in front of it. Uh, pretty easy one. My money is not on uh, um, <laughs> on Van, Van Zandt, although I'm I'm a fan of Van Zandt. I know she does some uh, maybe like questionable stuff on her Instagram and things, but uh, uh, I think she's pretty funny and she's making the most of. Uh, of her 15 minutes, right? Like, that's, that's yeah, how I drill. Absolutely. Yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I've, I've got no hate for Paige Van Zandt. I think when you, when you think about the fight game, you know, it's it's very top-heavy. There's there's a handful, a small percentage of fighters that are really making the big bucks, the big money. They're getting a slice of the pay-per-view, the champions, the really big names. And and, and when, I, when I say champions, look at the champions, but then also some of the fighters that aren't particularly uh you know in the ufc's good books but will come in every now and then and nate diaz for example uh conor mcgregor right now isn't fighting but he's not officially retired unless he takes himself out of the usada testing pool and then when you look at the rest of the roster they are literally paycheck fighters they're, they're, it's almost like they, they're, they're begging and pleading to, to fight and get another fight on their contract or you'll, you'll sometimes see them kind of beg and plead for the fight of the night bonus, which is $50,000. What Paige Van Zandt has done during her career, both in and outside of the UFC, she's leveraged all of that, built a massive following on social media. And she's gone out and openly said that, hey, look, first of all, with the Dancing with the Stars stint, what she was paid for Dancing for the Stars she made more money on that show than she did <laughs> if she if she took her entire UFC career earnings combined. And then in addition to that, with all of the money that she's getting paid for these you know paid spots and, and advertisement uh, spots on her Instagram and other social media feeds, she's doing pretty well for herself. <laughs> yeah. So I've got no I've got no hate for you, know, you make your money however you make your money, especially now more so than ever as we're living in uncertain times during this kind of pandemic uh, era. But when you look at how, how she performs in the octagon. Again, like I said, she's lost to a former champion in, in Rosanami Yunus. She's lost to a Michelle Waterson who's, you know, right up there. So she, she gets wins and she has got wins over some really good fighters. She just hasn't been able to defeat the really great and elite group of fighters in that weight class. And I think Amanda Rebas is on her way to becoming in that elite group. So, yeah, I think this is a slam dunk, easy win for Amanda Rebas. Uh, and I'll be shocked 
if Paige Van Zandt pulls off the win here. That seems to be a trend in like, uh, you know, the, uh, the outside the octagon celebrity um, fighters, doesn't it? Where it's yeah. like, just not really that. They just, you know, you can just go down the list of the super popular, the Gina Caranos of the world, you know what I mean? Of like uh, Misha Tates who are like really good, but like, you, you know what I mean? It feels like that's just a trend where it goes, you're, uh, you're pretty good, but uh, yeah, go, go get your, uh, uh, go get your money. That's what I say. Let's, uh, let's move on to somebody who, who is um, my, one of my favorite fighters um, period in the, uh, in the entire UFC. And that is uh, Rose Namajunas. Um, she's taken on uh, Jessica Andrade and uh, it's going to be a, uh, um, it's going to be a wild one, I think. Uh, but right now, Namajunas is uh, sitting at uh, a minus 190 favorite, which, which is creeping up. That's, that's, that's a significant uh, favorite. Uh, Andrade is sitting at uh, plus 165. Uh, your thoughts on this? Uh, this is the other major card on the, on the roster. Yeah, interesting that Rose is the favorite here because yeah. this, is a re- this is a rematch. They actually fought in May of 2019, and Jessica Andrade defeated Rose Namajunas by a second-round slam KO. She slammed her so hard to the canvas uh, that it knocked Rose out. And this is actually Rose's first fight since then. So she's actually been out for well over a year. So I'm curious to find out what she looks like, whether she's been able to shake off uh, that loss. Typically, as I've been around the fight game for as long as I have, normally fighters, they kind of want to get back on the saddle as soon as possible and try and get uh, a win and get their hand raised just to kind of get the taste out of the mouth with that previous loss where she's been carrying this L around with her for over a year. And and if anyone's been uh, able to kind of check out any of her recent interviews, it's been quite insightful that she loved being champion. She didn't like what came with it. And she's talked about, you know, where she, she kind of felt like she was kind of like this person that people expected her to dance when they wanted her to dance and, and things of that nature. And, and she's a very kind of chill, uh, reserved person, wants to be left alone and have her own space and what have you. And of course, when you become a champion of the UFC, there's a big spotlight on you. So I'm curious to see what she looks like, you know, as she's coming back here and fighting uh, the woman, the opponent, that actually gave her the loss and, and took her championship of belt away from her a year ago. And for Jessica Andrade, this is interesting because she's also coming off a loss. And what's happened in the last year is she beat Rose Namajunas for the strawweight championship, but then she lost the belt to Zhang Weili, the current champion, back in August. And so she's been out, again, almost a year, just a month shy of a year. So I'm curious to see what she looks like. But yeah, I'm I'm I'm... I'm, a, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm shocked, but I'm, I'm very kind of curious to find out how these odds have played in favor of Rose Namajunas being the favorite, because I tell you what, putting some money down on Jessica Andrade wouldn't be a bad idea just because she's been in there with Rose and she knows how to beat her. Yeah, it's an interesting point too, because it's like um, uh, the pressure, the, the massive amount of pressure on Rose right now. Um, like how, how do you deal with that if you haven't before? It's not that she can't. Maybe she is really headstrong, but um, you know she did. You know she didn't have issues, but she just uh, you know always talked about like the being the champion thing was was tough emotionally uh, for her, and uh, and the same can be said for being coming back. You know, again, you know, it's, it's motivation for a lot of people, right? These go, you know, you talk to George St. Pierre and 
uh, never performed better when he had to avenge something. You know what I mean? The guy turned into a complete, you know, even better than he than he always was. Yet um, you got somebody here who you're waiting to go. Well, are you going to be able to step it up um, after thinking about this for a year? You're sitting there and thinking about it. You lost the title. This is the person that beat you to take your title. You know what I mean? All those things. That's all you're thinking about. By the way, we've been in quarantine for four months too. I know these most of these people are gym rats and they live kind of an isolated bubble when they're training as it is. But I think it's even more when you have less people around you and less distractions that you that's all you're thinking of. And you can it, it's it's a, a tough place to be. It's going to be interesting to see how she um, you know she bounces back from that. Pretty wild. Uh, uh, storyline, which I love. I love that there's something I'm going to be super stoked about this fight. Hey, how about uh, Jose Aldo fighting? That's there's always a good. That's always good. Bit of an underdog right now, but at plus one seventy five against Jan, who's at, who's at minus two oh five. Uh, this is like you look at this card and it just doesn't stop, man. <laughs> this is this is where business really starts to pick up this is the first of three title fights on this main card and and i think a lot of fans of jose aldo understand why the ufc have given him this title shot just to kind of refresh everyone's memory he has been a career featherweight right he made his bantamweight debut in december of last year and lost against marlon Moraes. he lost by a split decision so you're thinking Okay, you're in a new weight class, you're 0-1, you're not going to get a UFC championship mm-hmm. title fight, are you? Well, eh, wrong. The UFC have given him this opportunity because they felt as though even though the three judges that scored the fight on that night gave it to Marlon Moraes, they feel, and if I'm being honest, the vast majority of fans that watched the fight also would agree that, okay, yes, Jose did win the fight. So that's the kind of hook and the reasoning that they're using in terms of trying to promote why they've given him this title opportunity. But the guy that he is facing is the real deal. Peter Yan is someone that everyone, including myself, has been high on for a very long time. He's finally got his UFC title fight opportunity. He's undefeated in the UFC. And the one loss that he has overall on his MMA record against a guy called Magomed Magomedov back in March of 2016 for a Russian promotion called ACB. A lot of people actually felt as though he was robbed that night and it was a big controversy in terms of him losing that decision. So if you take that into consideration, you know, you're looking at a guy that hasn't been finished, should be an undefeated fighter at 15-0. And his run-in to this title fight, he's got wins against John Dodson, Jimmy Rivera. He just knocked out Uriah Faber about six months ago. And so when you think about Jose Aldo at his age, having to cut down to 135 pounds yet again, and we all saw what he looked like on the scales last time. He looked like an absolute skeleton. Uh, but this time, he's, he's going up against a fighter who is seven, eight years his junior. Uh, I, I personally think of the three title fights, this is the easiest one for me to pick and make a prediction for, and I'm going with Peter Young. Oh. So you're taking the, you're taking the, uh, the, 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 not the underdog, but you're taking the favorite money on Peter Young here. I am. Minus 205. So it, it's a significant, that's, that's a significant amount of, of a favorite. How, how about uh, over, under on rounds? you give for that of oh, two and a half. You think he's going to finish him? Ooh, that's a great question. That is a fantastic question. Now, Jose Aldo, he doesn't get finished that often. You know, he's only been finished in three 
of his six losses, right? And the famous one, of course, was the Conor McGregor left hook in 13 seconds. And then the others were against Max Holloway back to back. And and both of those finishes came in the third round. So if you're asking me, OK, um, over or under two and a half rounds, I'm going to go with the over on that one. I think if Peter Yang gets it done, it'll, it'll probably be later rather than earlier in the fight. All right. Well, you're 100 bucks if you're going to do it about online um, for... For Yan, your hundred bucks for Peter Yan is gonna bring you fifty bucks, basically forty-eight and change. Um, you're gonna get your fifty bucks on that, and if you're gonna go over two and a half um, on a straight bet for that, you're you're still you're you're all day. You're gonna make a hundred bucks on top of your two hundred back. So that's actually for betting on a favorite. You know, if you bet a, you, you bet two hundred bucks on a favorite, you win your two hundred, you get another hundred bucks back. That's actually really good place to be in if, if you're feeling confident with this guy running through somebody so i love it i love this bet actually you've got me you got me on board man this is awesome yeah. um hey talking about veterans guys have been around for a while max holloway yep. still around still still clubbing people still making uh still making title fights out of his career here um yeah. he's he's going at it um holloway's taking on volkanovsky as a plus 185 underdog um, so, I mean, it's not, not too much of an underdog, um, more of an underdog than, than Jose Aldo is. And, uh, but, um, I mean, you got, you, you've got one of these things that just, you cannot deny this, this experience that somebody like Holloway brings into the octagon. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like this is going to be a make or break fight for the future of Max Holloway. I feel as though if he wins, then great. He'll stick around the featherweight division. There's a healthy line of contenders there that would love to fight Max Holloway if he loses. And that would mean he would have lost to the champion, Alexander Volkanovsky, back to back. Well, then he's pretty much going to be in featherweight purgatory because he's not going to get a featherweight championship title fight anytime soon so if he loses i think long term he'll probably take some time out and really build up his body and make a run in the lightweight division where there's just so many big names for him to fight that being said it's curious to see him come into this fight where he hasn't really done too many interviews we don't really know what life has been like for him he kind of shared a little tidbit by saying oh you know i was in lockdown in hawaii and during covid and i didn't have access to my coaches and this has been a reoccurring theme for a lot of fighters who have had to kind of as you alluded to earlier on um, they've had to kind of almost makeshift gyms, makeshift camps. Some are fighting and training out of their uh, basements, and they've just had to figure things out. And he said that he hasn't had direct contact with his coaches apart from Skype and Zoom calls until literally a week or so ago. Now, I don't know if I buy that. I think there's some mind games being played by Max Holloway leading into this fight. I don't think he would have accepted a fight against Alexander Volkanovsky if he didn't feel as though he could really give this 100%. He wants to get his belt back. Obviously, you know, he lost the belt to Volkanovsky back in December. And it's interesting, you know, what information he's been sharing with the public uh, through interviews. And then when you think about someone like Alexander Volkanovsky, I mean, wow, this guy has been on this incredible run. He, he lost in May of 2013, so over seven years ago, and hasn't lost since. That win streak brought him right through the UFC. 
He's been a wrecking ball, man. He got through Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo, Max Holloway. And if he does the double on Max Holloway, then you're you know, looking at him being entering into the conversation of maybe the greatest featherweight champion in UFC history. Because there's only been four. Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor, Max Holloway, and Alexander Volkanovsky. We've only ever had four champions in UFC featherweight history. Now, with that all being said, I actually think that Max Holloway of the underdogs of the three title fights is my easiest pick. It's the one that I'm going for in this particular scenario in this fight. I feel as though Max Holloway will make the, the, the relevant adjustments. I think he would have learned a lot from taking that L to Volkanovski. And I think coupled with all the mind games and what information he's been sharing and the lack of interviews, that tells me that this is a dialed in and focused Max Holloway. And I think he's going to get his belt back. I'm picking Max Holloway here. I'm going for the underdog. Well, I love it. I mean, as far as underdogs go, not a crazy underdog at plus 185, but here's the deal. Your 100 bucks wins you close to 200 bucks back. That's not bad. Here's the interesting one that's 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 on this at Bet Online right now. It's the the total. So it's not often that the the over under um, of fights in general um, go outside the middle rounds, right? It's a two and a half up and down. This right. the the total the total rounds right now for this fight is set at four and a half, and the over four and a half is is a massive favorite at minus two forty. Um, are you feeling like that's accurate or is there any opportunity to take under four and a half? You know, you, you put your bet together and you go Holloway finishes them with a plus 185 and then you get another plus 190 doing it under four and a half rounds. Mm. I mean, if I was going to put a combination bet on uh, picking Max and then the over the, or, or, or under, I'm going to go with the over just because the first fight went the distance. And actually, Max's last three fights, whether he won or lost, so Alexander Volkanovsky, Frankie Edgar, and Dustin Poirier, they all went the full 25 minutes. So if I'm going to go one way or the other, I'm going to go for over four and a half rounds, Max Holloway. All right. Well, the way it works out there on Bet Online is, um, you know, you're going to make if you go over on top of it, you put a hundred bucks on each. You're still you're still pulling in almost 250 bucks off your 200 dollar bet. That's beautiful. That's music to my ears right there. That's a tough spot to be in too. If you can make if you can make that, I like that one too. I'm I'm not as on board as I was with your 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 uh, your previous bet there. Like I, I like the Josie Aldo one, uh, um, but uh, but I love it. I love that you're you're literally already up 500 bucks right now in in mystery fake money that we're just yes. pontificating right now. You're like rolling in it. So let's see if you can keep it going here because there's the last, the final main event. Here's the deal. Here's the deal about this year. Masvidal comes in on six days notice. Is MMA the only sport where this is lauded as a good thing? And honestly, I've been, we've all been, we've, all of us listening to this or whatever, been following this crap for decades and everybody just gets so stoked. That's the toughest thing. What a guy. Unbelievable! He's just—he's just such a good. He's just a fighter. He'll fight anybody, anytime. In the back of my mind, I'm like, that is just dumb. You're not going in against like some tomato can guy. This is the championship. I know, I get it, it, it and and I, I I feel that there's a part of it that's like this is going to enhance his notoriety. Um, you know, it's like Donald Cerrone style, who'll just be beloved forever, and he'll always get work doing something or being somewhere because of how he fought. But damn it, um, 
Masvidal, if you want to go out and be like, you know, a champion's champion and, and not just a tough guy, you're not going to take fights on a six-day notice. I, I know people are stoked about it, but I'm curious about your thoughts about that. Like, I, I just go like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, you got a good thing going right now. You know, chill out, do some camps, pick and choose, um, and, and, you know, get that, pad those records there. He's getting older, I guess. He's probably just like, ah, whatever. Um, you know what I'm getting at here? I do, and I, and I think by giving you some additional information uh, will perhaps help fill in the, the, the overall picture of how this fight has come about, and if, in fact, he has taken this fight, quote, on short notice. So Jorge Masvidal and Kamaru Usman have been drawing back and forth since uh, media row at, at the Super Bowl. There's a, a few videos that were leaked, and they've been kind of on this collision course for a while, and Dana White... Back, back in February during you know Super Bowl week was saying, yep, this is a fight, international fight week, Las Vegas, this is the fight to make. So what happened was the, U- the UFC and Dana White and Jorge Masdal and his camp, they couldn't agree terms on the financials with regards to the contract. And so what happened was the UFC said, okay, cool, we'll just move on. So they initially made the Kamaru Usman-Gilbert Burns fight. Now, what's interesting is yesterday, um, Jorge Masvidal's uh, good friend and teammate, Dustin Poirier, who just fought last weekend, incidentally, he actually shared some fantastic insight and information here. He basically said when, when Jorge Masvidal lost the fight to Gilbert Burns, he just had a feeling that something was going to happen. So he, in fact, didn't stop training. He continued to bring in uh, the best training partners in the world. He brought in uh, Bo Nickel. And I'm not the biggest um, collegiate wrestling follower in the world, but from what I gather and from what people in the business tell me, he's the real deal. And so he's actually been in training camp. And then what happens? Gilbert Burns gets COVID-19, he tests positive, and then all of a sudden, the UFC are in scramble mode. And who do they call? They call Jorge Masdal. They finally get the financial side of things ironed out with him. He's happy. He's booked in. They can now promote him as this big savior of the card. He can promote the fact that, yeah, I'm stepping up on, on short notice. But for if you, if you look closely enough and if you, and if you dig deep, and if you're really embedded into the MMA community, I think we all realize he's actually been training. Now, I say that all to say, look, in an ideal perfect world, could this have been done three months ago? Could the UFC and Jorge Masvidal just figured it out, figured out the contract, figured out the financial side of things, and, and actually been able to promote this particular fight for 12 weeks? That would have been fantastic, of course. But this is the craziness of the sport. And like you said, these short notice fights and the fighters that are willing to step up are celebrated. They really are celebrated by fight fans. You look back at UFC 196, Nate Diaz, he's sipping tequila on a, on a boat in Cabo or somewhere in Mexico. And then all of a sudden the UFC say, hey, want to fight Conor McGregor in 11 days? He's like, sure. What happens? We get one of the most shocking moments in UFC history. He defeats Conor McGregor, taps him out. And then all of a sudden he's a big superstar. I've got a feeling about Jorge Masvidal. Is there something about him as tough and, 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 and as much as my head tells me, you've got to go with Kamaru Usman. You've got to go with the guy that actually has been preparing for this particular date, put in a full, legit training camp that we are aware of and the public is aware of. There's something about Jorge Masvidal. He knocked out Darren Till in London March of last year. A few months later, 
He does the big, epic flying knee knockout of Ben Askren in five seconds, the fastest knockout in UFC history. He then headlines in Madison Square Garden, defeats Nate Diaz and becomes the BMF champion. This is a man who has 48 fights on his record and has double-digit losses. But for some reason, this this late stage in his career, he's 35, going to be 36 later on this year, he's just figured it out. He's figured out what he needs to do to not just win, but do it, do it in spectacular and violent fashion. And there's just something that tells me that Jorge Masvidal is going to once again give us one of those epic moments that we're going to be talking about from years from now where he stepped up on short notice, he beat Kamaru Usman and became the UFC welterweight champion. So although all logic tells me to go with Kamaru Usman, looking at Jorge Masvidal and the last... 15 months of what he's done something tells me that he's going to do it he's going to get the business done and come come Saturday night come fight night well I will say that uh, if you are correct you're going to make some money off of it because yep. <laughs> if you if you bet right now bet online Masvidal taking out Usman under four and a half rounds you're a hundred bucks on each. You're gonna you're gonna make three hundred bucks off your two hundred dollar bet plus your two hundred back, right? So you you, you put three hundred in your pocket, but um, five hundred net comes back your way. I know what you're saying, right? It's that that weird like X factory thing that some guys just figure out. It's just it, and it happens often enough that you know it's a thing. Yes. It's not just like one particular fighter was able to do this at this time. You have you have a lot of guys that are roaming around with yeah double digit losses that just had a, a mediocre career and then they just go gangbusters for a while. And MMA it, it tends to not favor, but it forgives older fighters. You know, so many guys are able to be very, very uh, very good later in their year compared to other sports. I mean, I just uh, you, you know, there's that that prime those prime years and in a lot of other places, uh, it doesn't apply as much here to uh, to mixed martial arts. So I agree with you that what Masvidal's been doing the last little while has been absolutely spectacular and and fairly intentional. Um, in my mind, though, unless he like grows a third knee or maybe a fourth knee, and and they and and manages to just do like rapid fire uh, maybe and 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 do it even better. Um, quicker, more brutal knockout than the Askren fight. I'm not sure uh, he beats a guy like Usman, who is yes, you said it, prepared as all hell for this, um, and and a monster. The guy's just a monster. He's going to be be around a long time. It's a that's a real tough bet uh, for me to say. But that being said, if you um, manage to nail those last three there, you are uh, you're just taking us all out for drinks. Because you'll actually be crushing it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, hey, um, Sandu, um, appreciate you hanging out with us and doing this. Um, oh, yeah. Anytime. Uh, how do people find you? How do they get a hold of you? Where, where can they see what you do? Um, you are an, uh, an MMA journalist. You really, you truly are. Um, and, uh, and you're all over the place. So why don't you give a rundown for people who are listening to the show right now of uh, how they get a hold of you or find you? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you follow, if you're if you're on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, my handle is at Sandu MMA across the board. There, 
And if you're interested in some of the kind of behind the scenes work I do on, on social media, then check out uh, the BT Sport UFC account. Uh, that's where I kind of put in my work uh, on the back end. But when it comes to uh, daily news, opinions, content, and things of that nature, I'm active on my social feeds every damn day. It's the grind just never stops for me. Yeah, and that's it. It's part of the reason we got you on here, um, Sandy. It's because you, uh, well, you're working with um, the folks at, at Bet Online and helping out like uh, that. That's awesome. That's a great tie in there. Uh, but you are in on the pulse. You know as much as anybody could ever know about uh, not only the sport as a whole, but the day to day goings on. I know you're just you're. We, we're. I get messages from you of just stuff like on the pulse, like real time shit that you're like, boom. Dude, we got to get on this as a thing. It's it's unbelievable, and uh, it's great to see. So I encourage everybody go over and follow. And then, hey, if you like what you heard, if you liked uh, the advice that Sandy threw out there, it's the first time on the show too. So we we're gonna track his record. We're just gonna see how much like virtual millions of dollars he makes um, over, <laughs> over the course of uh, over the course of the year. Um, he'll be back for sure. And if you want to go uh, check out Bet Online, and those guys keep the lights on over here. Um, what we do is uh, if you use the promo code review when you sign up, you can get an extra little bit of uh, bit of awesomeness in your account, um, courtesy of uh, of those guys being nice to us and help us helping us out here. Uh, as for me, this is the Under Review Show. This has been our UFC 251 edition. We'll be back Friday, of course, um, with our sports apocalypse update. Figure out what the hell we can bet on still or not. Um, bet on or what's upcoming and find out what the hell is going on in the world of sports uh, i'll be there to update you with all the odds and the lines and uh maybe some advice of what you can do until then keep safe uh cover your face uh when you cough and uh wear a mask adios muchachos